Welcome to Book Me, sponsored by Nimbus Publishing. I'm Costas Alvarezos. Today, Jane Doucette, author of Fishnets and Fantasies. How would you react if your spouse announced an intention to open a small business? Would you automatically support the idea? Offer to help in any way you could? All right. What if the shop sold vibrators, flavored lubricants, and negligees that neglect the fabric which covers body parts you're not allowed to see on CBC television? Still on board? When Wendy Hebb tells her fisherman husband Paul she wants to open a sex shop, he, and eventually everyone in the town of Lunenburg, reacts. But in Jane Doucette's novel, Fishnets and Fantasies, those reactions lead us into the hidden conflicts that motivate the characters' behavior, what they expect from their partners, how personal needs change over time, and what festers when we aren't honest about why we can't fully accept or give love. And did I mention fishnets and fantasies as laugh-out-loud funny? It is. Jane Doucette joins me now. Welcome to Book Me, Jane. I'm thrilled to be here. Now, at one point in your book, uh, one of your characters tries following a template for writing a romance novel. <laughs> I want to find out how you built this novel about a 59-year-old fisherman's wife who decides what Lunenburg really needs is an adult emporium. What was your process? Well, in January of 2017, my husband and I were talking about what would we do if we won the lottery, which is a conversation we have on the very few times we buy lottery tickets, so we must have bought one then, and uh, our house is 100 years old, so I said, well, we love our house, and we love our neighbors in our neighborhood, so we wouldn't move, but we definitely renovate the house, uh, needs a lot of work, and then I said, you know, we should buy a house somewhere else that we can have a vacation house. The very first place we had vacation together as a couple, because we've only been married now a year and a half, was Lunenburg. And it's only an hour's drive from Halifax. It's very close. So I said, now, you know, we're only 48 years old. Um, we're too young to retire and do nothing. So I was off and running at having this imaginary conversation of what we do in Lunenburg in our new house with the lottery money. And I said, well, we could start a business, but, you know, what does Lunenburg need that it doesn't already have? Well, it doesn't need any more restaurants or cafes. It doesn't need any more tourist shops. And I said, well, I, when I travel, I love to buy local handmade chocolate and soap. And so I said, it doesn't have a chocolatier, but I do know there is a woman at the farmer's market who sells really good chocolate because I bought it. And there's a woman in Chester who uh, sells soap and I bought her soap, so I wouldn't want to compete with them. And then, and then the light bulb just went on. And I'm like, I know a sex shop. And we both laughed. <laughs> thought that was hysterical. And then I went, oh my gosh, what a great idea for a TV series that would be. Like the Beachcombers meets Grace and Frankie. And that's, what I, that's where the idea came from. So you, you weren't just, thinking novel at this point? No, no. I had written one. In fact, I self-published my first novel, The Pregnant Pause, and had just started production that month launched it that June, so I knew, and I had a full-time job at the time in communications at Dalhousie Law School, so I knew I was not going to have time to develop this great idea that I thought I had about the sex shop in Lindenberg for months, so I just left it in the back of my mind, but I did eventually contact two screenwriters I'm acquainted with and said, listen, I've got this 
great idea for a TV series, but I'm not a screenwriter, and I don't want to write it, but maybe I could be a consultant. <laughs> and they were very kind, and they said, we're busy with our own project. You know, you're really going to have to do this yourself. And I went, oh, man. So I borrowed screenwriting for dummies from the library, and I started writing, and it's a very different type of writing than a novel, and I found it very hard, and it was taking a very long time, so 10 pages in, I quit, and I said, forget it, I'm going to write this as a novel, and then try and sell it to the CBC. So that's how it started, and so that (laughs) fall, I started writing. The working title was Fish Nuts and Fantasies. And you stuck with that. I did. Well, when I have an itch, I have to scratch it. <laughs> and and it just wouldn't it wouldn't leave me alone. Honestly, every chapter I saw in my mind as a TV episode. Like, I really did. It played out in my mind as a TV episode. So it was kind of easy to write in that way. Well, Wendy Hebb has an itch. She wants to scratch. Uh, she wants to open a business. <laughs> and, you know, she's tried some of those pyramid schemes, sell from your home ideas in the past, but none panned out. What's the financial crisis? that makes her decide it's now or never to open her own storefront in Lunenburg selling sex merchandise. Well, her husband um, has been a lobster fisherman for more than 40 years, and they're both 59, and his father had fished until he was 70 and then dropped out of a heart attack a few months later, shoveling snow. And so he didn't want that for himself, and he you know, had suffered injuries over the years, and when catches were low, you know, could he pay his crew, could he pay himself? Plus, there's another reason, but I, it would be a spoiler, so I'm not going to reveal okay. it here. There's a big shock in their marriage. They cannot retire because they're in financial distress, I will just say that. And so she feels that, you know, it's up to her now to figure out how they're going to have a little bit of more financial security in in their old age, um, even though, you know, opening a business, any kind of business, is a big risk. So Paul and Wendy are clearly at one of those uh, inflection points in people's lives. There's lots of stress, many opportunities for things to go terribly wrong, But a lot of your characters seem to be at a crossroads, too, regardless of their age. Tell us about those come-back-from-away retirees Sonia and Booth and how they play into the story. Many of these characters went to high school together, and they're all the same age. So Sonia and Booth went to high school with Paul and Wendy and also um, Betty Sink, who is Wendy's best friend. So they all have a history. And Sonia and Booth moved to Toronto after high school and went to university. Sonia became an anesthesiologist and Booth became a corporate lawyer. So they were the go away, have a successful career, make lots of money, come home maybe for Christmas, kind of flaunt your success. And just kind of snobby. Uh, So not well-liked. But they did, in their 50s, buy a nice home in town, in Lunenburg, and that was their summer home. But now they seem to have come back permanently. But they are having their own rift, and they're, they're estranged from each other. They're living together, but they're not having sex. They haven't had sex in a year. Um, They have all these issues surrounding their past, and there's deception, there's jealousy, resentment, insecurity, vulnerability, all kinds of things, which is, I think, what ordinary people go through in the course of a lifetime. So I try and, even though it's a funny book, and it is funny because all that sounds depressing, (laughs) I try and inject the ordinary into all of my characters' lives because that's what I like to read. Um, I write books that I like to read. Yeah. Well, a lot of your middle-aged characters are emotionally tied to relationships relationships or or even crushes they had as teens. You mentioned uh, Sonia and Booth and Paul and Wendy all went to high school together, but had very different lives after that. 
But how useful was that in adding spice to the plot, those ties back to the, the days of teenage infatuations and dreams? Well, I mean, I had crushes, you know, <laughs> and, and I think you, uh, when I was in high school, I think you always, you know, think back on Facebook, social media allows us to do this, because you would wonder, oh, what's that person doing now? Did they get married? Did they have kids? Are they happy? Uh, what would have happened if we had gotten married? And so, so Sonia and Paul had dated briefly in high school, and she has those moments where, because she's unhappy in her own marriage, um, she's thinking, what if Paul and I had gotten married? So she has these fantasies, and, and that comes up a lot. And, and uh, you know, when I use the word fantasy, it's, it's not just sexual fantasies. I mean, you can have a fantasy about a job or a vacation or anything, really, uh, writing a novel. Um, so I think those old relationships provide tension and spice, yes, but, you know, in, in and out, we always have to have conflict and tension, and those were great opportunities, especially, you know, jealousy. Um, Sonia's jealous of what Wendy has, Wendy's jealous of what Sonia has, so, yeah, lots of opportunities for, for those juicy moments. You mentioned another member of that cohort, uh, Betty Zink, who is Wendy's best friend. If they do make a movie of this, I'm imagining either Mary Walsh or Kathy Jones as Betty Zink, but t- tell us about her. <laughs> Betty's my favorite. I know people, authors say, oh, I can't pick a favorite character. Well, I sure can. <laughs> Betty and Eric Morash and Frank Bizanson, the more outspoken a character is, the, the more I love them. And these characters, Betty especially, has no filter. Zero filter. She says whatever she's thinking. You know, she's crass. She has a heart of gold. Uh, she's a single mom, and her son's 40, and she loves him, and uh, she ha- swears, and she has no filter, uh, but she's very loyal, and uh, yeah, I love her. <laughs> and, and she gets wrapped up in this scheme, uh, part of it anyway, to open the sex shop. Yes, well, she's a seamstress, and so um, Wendy has designed what she's calling a signature fishnet body stocking, which she um, got the idea just from looking at one of Paul's, looking at lobster traps on the wharf, and she looked at the nets, and then that's when she had her light bulb moment, was, oh my gosh, you know, she pictured herself in, in a fishnet body stocking with, like, clam, velvet <laughs> clamshell fabric over her, over where you would put them, Yes, and that's where her idea came from. She thought, I have an idea, and I think it's a good idea. So she goes to Betty and asks Betty if she will sew the prototype right. for them and get them in production. So yeah, so Betty's involved. Every time a character in Fishnets and Fantasies seems to be on the edge of becoming one-dimensional, you know, you go behind that public persona to show the, the private issues that really make them tick, and you seem to invite the reader to empathize with them. Is that a fair assessment of what you do? I hope so. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of you to say, I hope that's what's going to happen. I read books sometimes and there's a character who's just all cruel or all mean, and you think they have to be more than that. I mean, there's got to be what fueled that, you know, cruelness or meanness, and everyone has a story, a backstory. So, yeah, I, I hope so. I, I, that was intentional, I guess. Well, you have fun with everything in this book. The theater of small-town politics and and public protests and uh, even the scenes where couples manage to get intimate. You even let that that scourge of the South Shore, the the black-legged tick, make a cameo appearance. (laughs) Well, and the small-town politics. So first of all, I know nothing about 
opening a business. I know nothing about, I've never been to a town council meeting. So I'm a journalist. I've been a journalist for almost 30 years. I did my research. I phoned people. I asked um, Mayor Pam Mood from, you know, Yarmouth, who my father taught grade seven math. <laughs> he taught the whole town. So I contacted her and said, listen, can I run some scenes by you? And she's like, absolutely. So she, I thank her in my acknowledgements because she was vital in making that believable, those scenes believable. And I called the sex shop in Yarmouth and New Glasgow. I called those owners and asked them questions. And it's 100% fiction, but I wanted to be believable and get the details right. And especially with Lunenburg, because I, I'm calling this my love letter to Lunenburg, and I purposely didn't research any real people. Like, for example, there's a mayor, the mayor of Lunenburg, and the United Church minister. Well, I didn't find out anything about those real people because, in my mind, I had cast these characters with Canadian actors. So, like you said, Mary Walsh, <laughs> I, I had Mary Walsh and Kathy Jones in different characters than you chose. All right, we, things, we, we can negotiate that, yes. We can negotiate, yeah, I'm pretty flexible. <laughs> I think they would all do a good job. But what about yeah, the tick? So, the tick. The tick. The t- I'm terrified of ticks, and I've written stories about for magazine articles about Lyme disease, so I had to get a tick in there. <laughs> I just had to get it, and I just thought it was funny. It, I thought it, it was would, funny. It would break the mood. It would break the mood to find a tick climbing down the treasure trail. Yes. Uh, your affection for Lunenburg really does shine through. Uh, you know, there's everything from Dumping Day at the opening of lobster season to the Folk Harbor Festival, and people are volunteering there. And you even have characters with very familiar surnames in the area. You have Zinks and Hebs and Morash and Corkum. Were you concerned about creating characters with the same names as real people in the town? No. Maybe I should have been, Costas. <laughs> it's too late to raise this issue now. No, I thought it was important to give it authenticity. What I did was, because naming characters is very, very difficult. You don't want it to, you know, pick someone's, Leslie Crew always says, you don't want to pick someone's name that you know, and they're like, oh, but you made that character terrible, a terrible person, and was that me? And so what I did was I named all the characters their first names based on the actors I imagined playing them, the Canadian actors, so that was easy. Oh, okay. then, I could, then I could see and hear them in my mind. And I actually, when I, on one of my research trips to Lunenburg, I took a photo. I took photos of the um, Fisherman's Memorial Monument. Yes with all the names of the fishermen who had been lost at sea over the centuries, and I chose the last names from those monuments. And to me, that was my way of honoring those lives lost and also keeping it authentic to the South Shore. And the only ones I didn't I, were, were Kathy and Derek Young, who, um, that's the United Church Minister, Kathy, and her um, husband, Derek, who's a town councillor, and they have come from ways. They had uh, moved from Montreal uh, after vacationing for many, many years in Lunenburg and decided they wanted um, to move there permanently before they turned 60, which I think happens a lot. So there I just gave them the last name Young. On second thought, I should have maybe chosen a French name, but they're not Francophones. So so, anyway, all these things, you know, even when it's gone to the printer, you still want to make changes to it. It's too late now. It's too late. (laughs) Your first novel, The Pregnant Pause, also blended humor with serious human issues. Is this an approach you plan to continue? It is. I'm so glad you asked. I've already started writing my third novel, which, so The Pregnant Pause, the main character was Rose Ainsworth, and she was a married woman turning 37 trying to decide whether or not to have a baby, and that novel was completely semi-autobiographical. That was my story, and I wrote it in my mid-30s. So... I'm bringing Rose back in the third novel um, at age 50, and she is going to move to Lunenburg to take over the sex shop. That's all I can say, really. 
that one it will be funny too, but that one's going to have quite serious themes. Death and grief and depression, but I personally love Gallo's humor, and it's going to be full of that. I, I like reading books that make me laugh, so those are the ones I write. Um, okay. So I'm going to c- combine characters and storylines from both of my novels, The Pregnant Paws and Fishnets and Fantasies, and then I'll have a sort of series, and hopefully everyone will buy all of them. <laughs> so. And are these going to end up on the small or large screen someday, do you think? Well, who do you know, Costas? <laughs> I don't know. I hope, you know what? I hope so. I hope Fishnets and Fantasies does because I think it would be a lot of fun. And like I said, I do see it as Beachcombers meets Grace and Frankie, and those are both great series. But we'll see. I mean, I think it would just be a matter of the book landing in the hands of the right person. I'll be grateful if readers love this book, if it makes them laugh, because I think what are we now, 15 months into a pandemic, we could all use a few laughs. And I'm hoping this book will provide that for people. Well, Jane, thank you so much for joining me on Book Me. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Jane Doucette is the author of Fishnets and Fantasies. It's a vagrant press book published by Nimbus. If you'd like to comment on today's interview with Jane, our email address is info at bookmepodcast.ca. We have dozens more conversations for you with your neighbors who create books in Atlantic Canada, the authors, illustrators, editors, and designers, all on bookmepodcast.ca. Pass the word and follow our alerts on Twitter and Instagram. If you're in the Lunenburg County area, like the characters in Fishnets and Fantasies, you can hear one of our podcasts every night on the nonprofit radio station CHLU 93.7 FM, just before sign-off around 9. Book Me is sponsored by Nimbus Publishing. Laura Hines leaves the Fishnets to Jane. Laura is the mild-mannered digital dominatrix of the Internet and our social media. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Now, let's go read. Read.